May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Were not our hearts burning within us? Remember Easter? Over 500 people gathered together here to celebrate Easter. Between the the Saturday evening and and the sunrise and the festival service, over 500 people were here. Nearly 700 if you include Holy Thursday and Good Friday services. It was awesome. The choir was singing. The music was Wow, the, the flowers were, were beautiful, the, the decorations were, were perfect, the food was plentiful, the baptisms, the, the, the confirmation promises. I mean, there were some times that I got so overwhelmed, I couldn't even sing some of my favorite hymns. Our hearts were burning and my eyes were showing it. And then last Sunday, 117 people showed up. To worship. That's the number that was the average the year we built this building. Some might say, you know, that's, that's a downer. Unless you realize why our hearts were burning within us on Easter and last week and this week. Today, God's word shows us what is so important about what we do here every week. Shows us what makes the difference in our lives. Shows us what causes our hearts to burn within us like like the disciples in our gospel lesson today describe. So we've got the story, right? It's, It's Easter season. The first three Sundays of Easter, you get the same story, but from different angles, right? Two weeks ago, it was the women at the tomb. Last week, it was the disciples in the room. And this week, it's that afternoon, something that happens between those two accounts. We see a couple of of minor players in this whole Jesus story. Minor until, of course, Jesus shows up. So here we've got two former followers of Jesus on their way to a place. One of them is named Clopas. The other one isn't named. So go ahead, put yourself in there. You are now Clopas's traveling partner, heading to Emmaus. I'm not sure why. It doesn't tell us. Maybe it's just to get away from all of the chaos and confusion of, of Jerusalem the last few days. Maybe it's to go back back to whatever they were before, to wherever they were before, because, well, Jesus is dead. That's why I called them former. It was great, but they saw it. He was dead. And so they're on their way there. And if you are Clopas's traveling partner here today, what are you thinking about? What's your attitude like on this trip? What's your discussion about? Luke tells us what they were talking about. Verse 14. They were talking about everything that had happened. 
And then, of course, this unknown traveler comes walking up alongside them and asks them what that everything was, and, and their answers are pretty telling, right? Faces downcast, Clopas tells him what things were part of that everything that they were talking about. Verse 19, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They had hoped. They had hoped. But not anymore because, well, now Jesus was dead. And the good news that we celebrated a couple of weeks ago, well, for them, that was just confusion. That was noise. That was frustration. What on earth was going on adding to this this chaos? We had hoped. You might say, you know what? They're down because, well, they haven't seen him physically yet. That would make sense to us. But that would ignore what Luke tells us was actually going on here. And that would ignore their their own words. We'll get to that. But first, this feeling of fallen hope. This feeling of, of broken hope. Having such promise in something and then and then it's gone. Do you know this feeling? Clopas puts it into words when he starts reminiscing, oh, what we thought, right? He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. I mean, do you remember Jesus? When he spoke, people listened. It was authority. No one spoke like him, and no one could trick him on the word. No one could trap him. He knew the word. Oh, and his deeds, right? Think of what he did. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He cured the leper. He made the lame walk. He walked on water. He calmed the storm. He fed us, all 5,000 of us, with virtually nothing. Man, think of what he did. He even raised the dead, right? The, the widow's son in that funeral procession and, 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 and Jairus' daughter and Lazarus. But now he's dead. All of that hope, all of that promise... We had hoped, Clopas says. How about you? Does this Christianity thing, this church thing, ever feel like it's kind of played out? Right? You know, th- there were great times, right? You, you probably have seen God change someone's life. But then maybe you've seen some others change back. You've probably had it where a Christian was so wonderful to you and showed you the love of Jesus and that was awesome. You've probably also had it where a Christian failed you miserably. You've felt it. The love and the joy and the peace and the comfort and the confidence and and the hope. But then there are probably some times that you don't feel it so much. You ever come here and your heart's aren't burning within you? I'm a pastor and I know those things. So what do we do? 
pack up, go home, back to Emmaus or, or wherever home is. That's where these disciples were. Until Jesus showed up. But we really need to notice something unique, something curious about this story. Look at verse 16. The Holy Spirit tells us, but they were kept from recognizing him. They don't see who he is as he walks up next to them. Why? Well, because Jesus wasn't just there to wow them with his miraculous presence that would be gone as soon as he was. He wanted to give them something more. And look at what that more is. Verse 25. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. How foolish. That's what Jesus says about us when we lose hope. But then look at what he does. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, beginning with the word, he explains what scripture actually says. The hope that we actually have. Because that's the problem that, that many people have with Christianity is that it doesn't fulfill its promises, right? It doesn't fulfill what they think it should bring to them, right? The disciples, they wanted a kingdom, an earthly kingdom, a powerful kingdom here. And Jesus had the power. It looked like he'd be able to bring that, but then he died and he didn't cast down the Romans, at least not in the way they thought he should. We have expectations of what Christianity should look like, right? It should bring us love and peace and joy and, and comfort and success and confidence and sometimes we don't have all of those things. When things go awry, we're there with Clopas. We had hoped. Jesus had a much better hope for them and a much better hope for us. So, so this unidentified Jesus walks up to them and opens up the Bible and shows them that the Messiah had to suffer and die. That dealt with our real problem. Think about it. How many times don't we have an idea of what would fix our problems, right? We tell ourselves, well, if I just had this, then I'd be happy, right? If I can just accomplish this, if I can just complete that, if I can keep this thing out of my life, and if I can get a little bit more of that thing, well, then things will be good. You know how that plays out, right? We, we fill in the blank, the this thing and that thing, wrong. And then we get frustrated when it doesn't happen. Jesus shows them, if you just see me, how much is a clean conscience worth? How much money would you pay to get one back? Jesus really wisely one time asked the question, he said, what good, what good is it for a person if they gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can a person give in exchange for their soul? Dr. Faust's bargain never pays dividends. And all the effort we put looking at the wrong answer is wasted. Jesus has a better hope. So he showed them how all of the Bible was not a book of rules that you follow in order to get the good stuff. 
No, the Bible is a biography. He showed them how all of Scripture was about him. It was his story. It was the story of him and his love for us. Think about what that sermon would have been like. What he would have showed them, opening up the scriptures to them, showing them that it was all about him, from, from the promise of the seed of the woman to the promise of the son of a virgin, from, from the, the bronze snake being lifted up in the wilderness to water from the rock, all about him, from the, the Passover lamb to the, the rescue from Egypt, from one prophecy to the next, all of it about him. The sacrifices. The worship, the history, these are the scriptures, he said, that testify about him. The Bible is the story of Jesus. He came to deal with the sin that caused all of those animal sacrifices and the slavery in Egypt. He came to deal with the death that was always the problem, haunting them and taunting them. He came to deal with the devil with all of his temptations and guilt And to do that, he had to suffer and die. And he did. So the very thing that they were mourning was the very thing that showed them how much God loved them and that Jesus kept his word. The very thing that had their faces downcast was the very thing that would lift them up on the last day. And their hearts were burning within them, even before they knew who was talking to them. He opened up the scripture to them, and their hearts were burning. Then they got to Emmaus, and they wanted this conversation to continue, so they encouraged this guy walking with them to come in, and he did. And you guys know what happens next. You heard it in the gospel. So think about that. What for you would have been the highlight of that day? You know, if if you were on the news, what would you lead with in this whole story? They're sitting there. They're continuing the discussion. They get ready to eat. Jesus breaks the bread. And then all of a sudden they realize it's Jesus. And poof, he's gone. A real live human being, flesh and blood, was there in front of them and then is gone. Like the the Mexican magician who said he was going to disappear on the count of three. He said, uno, dos, and poof, he was gone without a trace. Sorry, I, I couldn't resist that one. But this is no joke. This is no magic trick. This is no sleight of hand. This is Jesus demonstrating who he is. The all powerful God flesh and blood there in front of them, and then showing his power and and, and disappears. Now, look back at the text. They had just seen this breaking all the laws of nature miracle, a flesh and blood human disappear, and what's their reaction? Immediately they speak. You see what they say? Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? What was the miracle? Sure, a man just disappeared right in front of us, but but the miracle, the word, works. We believe. God has put into our hands 
the proof of his love for us. Proof of his power and control and foreknowledge and eternity. Even better, proof of our eternity. When that sinks in, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. When that sinks in, that's the miracle. That's the life-changing, power-giving, love-inspiring, hope-filling miracle that we get to experience every time we come here. Every time we gather around his table, every time we open up his word and let it open up our hearts and our eyes and our minds to see who our God is. No matter what is going on or not going on in our lives. God loved me so much that he sent his son so that I get to live forever with him in heaven. Doesn't that hope make your heart burn within you? Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed printed on page 12 in the bulletin.